In this episode, I'm joined by Michelle, who shares two positive induction stories with us, both in England. I really loved hearing about Michelle's experiences, how hypnobirthing helped, and she also shares lots of tips, including how birth partners can help, and in making the decision when to be induced, which is always a popular topic. So, get as comfy as you can, and enjoy. listening to the Positive Induction Podcast, a podcast for those who have chosen to have an induction or for those interested in how they can make induction a more positive experience. I'm your host, Jade Gordon, clinical hypnotherapist, hypnobirthing teacher and positive induction coach. As always, I want to remind you, positive birth means different things to different people. It might be feeling empowered, respected, in control, informed. It does not mean perfect. My aim here is to bring you tips, inspiration and real life experiences. So let's get started. I'm excited to welcome Michelle today. Partly, like it's like two for one today because Michelle has two positive induction stories, which is quite exciting. Tell us how long ago were your inductions, Michelle? Hi, so um, my inductions were 10 years ago and nine years ago. It's almost 11, isn't it? Holly's 10 now and Sophie's <laughs> nine. So I did. I always had to add like a bit of time. Like, oh, wait, it's quite <laughs> old are the kids now. <laughs> yeah, counting back. You've said to me that these are both positive inductions. Mm-hmm. Just as a quick overview, what mm-hmm. is it that stands out for you when you think back to that time that made those positive? Um, I think it was definitely using the hypnobirthing techniques. I train, I did um, hypnobirthing with Mia Scotland. Yes. And we did the Marie Morgan method. And it was definitely being able to relax myself and being present in the moment felt really important for me. They were the kind of takeaways from that hypnobirthing technique that really, really worked for me. And And I think really worked for me in those early days of motherhood as well. Yes, which is so important. Yeah, I think that were the things that kind of were important to me, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So tell us, uh, like, which one do you want to talk about first? Oh, to the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Why did you decide to have an induction then? Was there some reason for your induction? So with both of them, I had to have inductions. Well, I had to have inductions with sort of within the, the conditions of each of the pregnancies. Yes. So with Holly, I had gone three days over my, what was my due date yeah. and I'd, and my waters broke. Obviously the first time everything does feel very, well, it is very new. So I fully took the advice of the hospital. My waters broke. Retrospectively, we realized it was my hind waters. So so it was a trickle. Yes. Yeah, it was definitely a trickle. It wasn't the kind of <laughs> film star pop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went to the hospital and the hospital kind of took over really. And and obviously it was the, the first, so I wasn't kind of overly educated in that because I'd kind of gone down the hypnobirthing route and hoping that everything was going to be sort of perfect and yes. natural. So they kept me, they kept me in retrospectively it felt like they weren't going to let me go home anyway 
they started me with the pessary. They gave me sort of, I think I was there for probably about eight hours to see if anything happened naturally. Yes. I'd agreed to a suite and nothing was started. So they started off um, with the pessary and nothing was moving. And again, they tried another sweep and then they brought me onto the drip and still very much nothing was happening. I ended up on quite a high dose of the drip to get labour going. And I was in labour with Holly for about 37 hours, had a few changes of midwives, but I think it was the breathing techniques and the relaxation techniques and the being able to let go and let my birth partner take over mm-hmm. was definitely, definitely a contributed to that really positive experience with Holly. Nice. Yeah. Makes a difference. So were you in the room yourself during that time? Did you have your own room? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even from the, yeah, from, from when I went in and I think that was probably one of the reasons they encouraged me to stay in Yeah, is that they had the room for me at the time. One of the always um, interesting memories that I have is that I had a student doctor with me and the student doctor came in I think she came in on the sort of Wednesday morning just just observing to start with and it did feel that she was very kind of like sat in the corner of the room I just have this image of sat in the corner of the room and she she finished her shift on the Wednesday and but then she came back to see me on the Thursday morning she wasn't working by the end, we were having a conversation around what had happened and the process and everything. And she'd never seen a hypnobirth before. So she was kind of totally, at first, she was quite unsure of what, what everything yeah. was going on. By the end, she, she wanted to know what was going on. Yeah, uh, She was quite intrigued because I, I didn't have any pain relief throughout that whole period of time. I was just using gas and air, which... She, she was obviously from a medical brain was thinking you've got you've got this much of chemical in you now you've got this <laughs> yes. dosage why, why are you not needing something else why why are you so calm why are you so relaxed yeah in that <laughs> what is this magic so yeah it, it was a very slow process there was there was never any conversations around failing to progress well obviously those conversations didn't happen with me they happened with my husband yeah, there's never any conversations around me failing to progress or potentially, you know, taking it any further. With there was never any mention of um, cesarean or sort of forceps being used. Yeah, just just a really positive and happy experience with Holly. Yeah. So you gave birth in the same room then? Yeah. 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 I think I just I just got to the, you know, I've been there. We've been we've been birthing for, yeah, a long time. A long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I just remember just having holly laying on me yeah as as the as i was birthing the placenta I, yeah and can't i just remember just being in awe and sort of almost like an ecstasy feeling um yeah in that that sort of golden hour that time the skin to skin that we had and did you eat and drink anything through labor yeah i mean that's a long time yeah. <laughs> like, a lot of energy yeah like. um i remember drinking i remember i was drinking water quite a lot yeah and i i only really craved toast during that whole time yeah. there was there was kind of nothing else that i wanted to eat but yeah it just i think the hypnobirthing techniques had just prepared me for that duration that that stomach yeah. and it's um it's one of the things when i'm teaching hypnobirthing now is that I talk about the you know preparing for the marathon yes being in it for the long haul and and preparing yourself for different ways that 
birth may lead you. So yeah, yeah. I think it's especially important with induction. Yes, mm-hmm. okay, induction can be quick. <laughs> like yes. there's, you know, like anywhere there's variations. But you know, you hear often if people are having longer birth experiences, especially like with induction, sometimes your body's not ready and it's just mm-hmm. taking longer to go through the processes. So yeah, I think like preparing for that is really important. Like if you expect your labor you know, to go for your induction at nine in the morning and to have your baby by midday. It is harder when it gets like longer to be like, oh, I thought it would be here by now. So yeah, I think, yeah, that makes complete sense, like mentally preparing Mm -hmm. for a a longer experience. And if it's not longer, then (laughs) it's a bonus. Yeah, 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 definitely. So after you had your first then, how did that impact you as you prepared to have your second baby? So I... I met Mia after my first birth and we did a birth debrief, which was really useful and really positive. And some of the kind of gaps that I thought I had, my husband Mm. was able to sort of fill those in and give me the bigger picture again. So that was really useful. Sophie was a total surprise baby. Um, She wasn't planned. I fell pregnant at three months, completely against all the odds that she should have been born. I'd, I'd had a coil fitted. I was breastfeeding at the time. Yeah, I, I found out I was pregnant with Sophie when I was um, about, I think I was about five months pregnant. Yeah. So, yeah, complete surprise baby. But I was still in that kind of headspace of relaxation was important. The breath work was important. I wasn't listening to the hypnobirthing guided meditations but they were that was things that I'd started to sort of build into my life a little bit more and I I had a refresh with uh, Mia over hypnobirthing because obviously it wasn't that long ago I'd done it so it's all still fresh I think one of the things I was more kind of clued up on this time is when I needed to have an induction that was some work that I did around for myself to make sure um, I was comfortable with that process Um, because that was one of the things in the debrief that came out with Mia is that I hadn't necessarily needed to have an induction at the point that the hospital had told me I'd had an induction. And that's tricky when you look back, when you mm-hmm. feel like it wasn't a choice or an option, but actually it was, but you weren't supported in understanding that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was one of the really important things to me that I felt, not that I didn't feel empowered in the first birth and it was positive because it was, yeah. but I, I felt like I wanted to be informed and controlled be able to control that decision this time so yeah so with Sophie obviously we weren't 100% confident with the due date because we we weren't sure about the conception date so weirdly Sophie's due date was the same as Holly's so they were both on the 5th of November in the preparation as it was sort of getting towards the end I was quite keen to talk to my midwife about inductions and when I wanted to have an induction and the way it works, well, well, the way it worked when I had the girls, 2011, 2012, and um, the community midwives in Nottingham didn't work at the hospital. Okay. So um, I had the same community midwife in the run-up to nice. birth with both girls. Yeah. Um, and the hope was that we were going to have home births with both of them. And then the community midwife would have come out yeah. and supported me with that, which she was, she was really excited about. She was, she was very supportive of making sure I knew my choices and my decisions. So when Sophie's due date came, I was quite happy again to have a sweep, which we did. I then went to the hospital and we talked about monitoring and I was I was prepared to go almost 10 days over my due date. 
In fact, I went 13 days <laughs> with Sophie. And it it was about feeling empowered when I was having the conversations. I remember distinctly one conversation with a male doctor who told me I was making the wrong choices. Yes. And and I because I'd done the research, because I'd got the facts and I'd I, I could talk about how due dates were calculated in other countries and scientific research behind medical research behind inductions and birth and due dates. It, he he basically said to me that my baby would die if we didn't do it within their time frame. Um, but I felt really confident. It's shocking how often that that is said. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I just, I, I don't know what it was. I don't know whether he was quite a young male doctor. And I don't know whether that kind of jarred or made me feel, made me remember the conversation more. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's like, you know, I know it's not right to say you need to have a lived experience, but it, it felt like he was just coming from a very factual place, very kind of, I need to give, I need to do this so that we can tick this box. So I I spoke to one of the senior midwives at the maternity ward at Nottingham City Hospital, and she was totally in support of me going in for monitoring. She sat down with me and, and she, she had a more, I felt it was a more real conversation about what potentially could happen and couldn't happen. So she's, she was like, as long as you're happy to come in and have the monitoring, you understand that the monitoring is a snapshot. You know, we can't guarantee outside of that if something happens with, that we've not monitored that. She talked about monitoring my movements um, and feeling baby. So, yeah. So, yeah, I went in. Um, I think I went most days in between the 5th and the 18th of November when Sophie was born. Um, monitored. Everything was happy. Yeah. Me and my husband decided that it was actually, I think it was the 17th was the date that we were you know that's it that's our cutoff point that's yeah. we feel comfortable as parents you've given it every chance yeah <laughs> maybe every chance to be born yeah so yeah that was that you know it was our decision it was our, it was our yeah. thoughts and feelings behind and for me I, I was getting quite big <laughs> by this point and I, you know I've got a one-year-old toddling around the house so yeah it, I felt that it was the right time for me and I went into the hospital and they gave me they gave me the pessary to get me going. I was on a ward. I was quite comfortable on the ward. I remember going in about three o'clock on the Saturday afternoon. We came home on the Sunday morning. Boiler there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shorter birth. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I remember being on the ward. I remember passing up going down to a maternity suite three times because I was super yeah. comfortable and happy. I didn't have any monitoring. Um, I didn't have any internal examinations that time I was just happy chilled um, every time the midwife came to see me she was comfortable with the progress I was making yeah again there was no pain relief with Sophie just gas and air I think it was about 11 o'clock that Saturday evening that they kind of came to me and said to me right you're going down to a suite now we've passed you over you need to get settled you need to get comfortable in a room and you know we need to give you a bit more sort of maybe one-to-one looking after so I remember going down there. I remember being quite upset that they made me go on the bed. I wanted to walk down because I felt quite fine. Um, I was getting surges. It, there was a routine. There was a rhythm. Things were, felt like they were progressing well. I remember getting into the room and the midwife sort of said, can we do an internal examination? We just want to see how far along you are. And at that point, I remember feeling that I needed a poo. Yep. So with, with Holly being born, I 
I didn't have any sensation to push because the dose of the drip was so high. I didn't have any sensation to push. So she just, she just came. So I remember needing, needing, feeling like I needed a poo. And I remember getting quite aggressive towards the midwife. I I need to go to the toilet. I need to go to the toilet. So we'd, we'd agreed that she could examine me and then she'd let me go to the toilet. But I didn't actually need yeah. the toilet. <laughs> Which is why I'm laughing, yeah. It was like the common phrase, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, she was like, two more surges and your baby's going to be here. And yeah, it was just it was just such a magical experience yeah. um, because I had that sensation this time, not necessarily to push, but to breathe her out. Yes. It was, you know, it, the, the urges were instinctual at that point. Nice. Didn't need a drip or anything second time? No. No, second time. Because often people will ask, oh, is the pessary, is that, is that ever enough? Or yeah. sometimes it will stop. Yeah, so it's nice to hear like the different different scenarios and options. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it was just, yeah, I just had the pessary that time. Yeah. Yeah, it was never offered that time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, no other suggestions of anything else that were needed. And then, yeah, I just remember Sophie being born. And again, it was that kind of ecstasy and happiness. I, I left the hospital, I think it was about seven o'clock on Sunday morning. I just remember feeling very well and very happy. Yeah. And the first thing that I wanted to do was to go and pick Holly up. So we, she was at my mum's at the time. So we just headed straight around to my mum's and then just remember going home and just thinking, wow, now I have two babies. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think, again, it was the breathing techniques. It was the preparation for labour that got me through, gave me the experiences that I had. Yeah, nice. In terms of birth partner support, one of the most common questions people ask is, how can my birth partner help me in induction? I think one thing you mentioned was answering some of the questions. Mm-hmm. What else would you say that was helpful to you? So he was guiding me through the breath work sometimes mm-hmm. when I needed a little bit, especially with Holly when things were a little bit longer and I was start, I was starting to feel tired. Yes. He'd, he'd kind of get me back on track. He'd guide me through the breathing exercises. In the Marie Morgan method, there's um, a sort of a guided visualization hypnotherapy script where um, I remember placing hand on the shoulder. The shoulder squeeze. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he did that a lot for me. I remember that one. That was really anchoring for me to bring me back to where I was. Yes. What can a birth partner do? They can do everything. Um, and I felt that that's what yeah. he did in both births. He did everything so that I could just focus on breathing and focus on baby coming. Yeah, but it was important that he'd done the work to know about induction and processes as well. So he was part of those yeah. conversations. And after Holly's, the experience with Holly, it was important that he knew the steps for me in case we needed to take anything further. Yes. Yeah, that communication yeah. beforehand is so important. Yeah, brilliant. So in terms of like positive induction for you, it sounds like it's like hypnobirthing mm-hmm. is a big part of it. How do you... What is it in terms of how you feel around induction? What are the words that come up when I say positive induction? I think for me, it's um, feeling empowered. Yeah. And I think I think my second birth experience, I might not have been so confident if maybe I hadn't had a second induction. Yes. But I felt very empowered to make the choices and to, to stick by my choice options as I was going through the process the second time. The first time I felt maybe it was the choices were kind of taken away from me a little bit. But in retrospect, I'm happy. I'm at peace with those decisions. I don't yes. feel there was anything 
that I was that I'm angry about or I felt maybe I couldn't if I really felt strong enough to stand up and say what I wanted if that makes sense yeah definitely yeah I definitely feel feel empowered by having the births that I had both induced yeah brilliant super so yeah empowered is such a wonderful word I think for birth and especially with induction I think having the confidence to actually find your voice like to use your voice not to find it but to use your voice is easier second time round mm-hmm. but should also be encouraged first time round using that voice and I think like I mm-hmm. definitely understand that like I, I remember that feeling as well of thinking oh can I can I really say this now I really feel like this should I say something and yeah like having that confidence makes a huge difference so yeah mm-hmm. the only other thing I really wanted to ask you was what tips or suggestions do you have for someone who's listening who is going for an induction tomorrow let's see <laughs> that's not much time later later next week <laughs> <laughs> trust your instinct listen listen to what your body is telling you listen to maybe how baby's responding like I mentioned I kind of got my cutoff point because yes. I was starting to get tired I was big I was I got you know another daughter to look after that was because so you know it's make it work for what you and your family need and as much as you can talk to other people that have been through inductions and um, people that have the experience to to give you both sides give you a balanced view I was really lucky that I had midwives that were to do that so yeah and, and don't be afraid to ask questions and then ask the questions of the questions because I think medical professionals are very good at dazzling us with facts and figures but it's it's digging into those facts and figures and what they actually mean to you is um really important yeah nice and I think like it's really nice that you shared your experience with that conversation with that doctor mm-hmm. and that you know you didn't just leave it there like you went on to have a conversation with a midwife and I think like I mean that experience that you've had is not a one-off like I hear that regularly people mm-hmm. are told these things and it, we have our hormones are at a certain level right that mm-hmm. we are like already on the break like there's so much going on to be told that kind of thing really is massively emotional as well mm-hmm. yeah and um, yeah. it's hard to make decisions and like informed logical decisions from that place so always taking time and stepping away and saying right like I need to I'm not going to make a decision right here right now based on this and need to have a conversation yeah. with someone who can have some kind of empathy <laughs> and compassion yeah. and having a conversation yeah. with me over that I think it's really important you shared that thank you so much yeah mm-hmm. it's great love hearing birth stories and I know it's so helpful for people who are going to have an induction soon or later in pregnancy thank you yeah. so much Michelle Thank you, Michelle, for sharing both of your births with us today. Here are three things that stood out for me in this conversation that I just want to remind you of. One thing we touched on that I wanted to expand on was the idea of preparing for a hypnobirth. And imagine some air quotes around the word hypnobirth as I say that. Focusing on things being perfect or natural or whatever else to be a hypnobirth Hypnobirthing has evolved over the years and is now a lot more inclusive to different kinds of birth. However, if you feel that you're only really prepared for a natural, straightforward birth, do get in touch. Hypnobirthing is really very flexible and it can definitely help you with that. Secondly, 
I love that Michelle said about the importance of preparing with your partner and allowing them to take care of as much as possible of those bits and pieces here and there, the logistics, etc., so that you can focus on birth, on your breathing and whatever else you need to focus on to go inwards and concentrate on birth and baby. Finally, I want you to take away how important it is to ask all of the questions, whether it's before labour, during or after, and then to ask if you have further questions about the answers you're given. If you're not sure, ask and ask again. And remember, you can also ask for a second opinion. It's your birth. Take back control by asking when you need more information. You have a right to do this. Thanks for listening. Head over to the show notes for this episode at positiveinduction.com forward slash episode four, where you'll find links to additional resources and of course the Positive Induction course, a hypnobirthing course specially created for induction. Thanks again for being here with us today and do get in touch if you have any questions. You can email me, jade at positiveinduction.com or find me on Instagram at positiveinduction. I hope you have a lovely week.